This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Best five-a-side player after John Walk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, that's the type of celebrity house I have, you see. Do you know what I mean? People, Ed, Ed, Ed Sheeran's coming around in a bit. He wants a bit of advice um, on his latest video. And, and as we played, we both played number 17. I think he wants a, he wants a word. Hello and welcome to a Blue Monday TWTD collaboration show, an interview special with a man who committed 30 years of his life to bettering Ipswich Town Football Club. As a player, he made 280 ITFC appearances, scoring 48 goals and a post-playing career working in numerous off-field roles supporting academy and local community. I'm Richard Woodard and joining me is TWTD's Phil Ham, and we're delighted to welcome to the pod Mr Simon Milton. Simon, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to what we can get into today. Yeah, um, and mutual respect for the walls behind us as well. You have to say, lots of shirts going on behind you there for folk listening. I can see the 91-92 shirt there. We'll be talking plenty about that. So, um, yeah, lots to talk about. And Phil, um, good to see you back as well. Under the weather a little bit, but powering through, aren't you? Yeah, indeed. Powering through. I think that's the right way to... uh... To explain it, yeah, yeah. Well, let's crack straight on. I mean, um, the, the way we Phil and I kind of talked about your route to Ipswich Town in the first place was kind of um, the kind of Tyro Mings, the Jamie Vardy route from, from non-league through to Ipswich Town and then to the Premier League in really quick succession. Talk to us about that. It was quite. A, was it Bobby Ferguson who spotted you first, and then John Duncan made the signing? Yeah, that's right. Um, I'd, I'd come on trial a couple of times. I mean, I'd got to know Bobby Ferguson. I'd got to know Charlie Woods. Uh, Brian Owen around that time, the, who were the sort of reserve and, and youth team managers. And I was playing at, you know, I started my playing career at Thetford Rovers, then went to Thetford Town and then went to Bury Town. And while I was at Bury Town, I was, you know, being watched. Um, and I didn't know that at the start. The manager didn't tell me. He told me once that Bobby Ferguson was in the crowd and I was crap. Do you know what I mean? The pressure was on, so uh, I didn't play particularly well, but well enough, obviously, to get invited to play a couple of uh, reserve games. 
and uh, played some reserve games and then sat down with Bobby Ferguson, who who liked what he saw and said, um, you know, at the end, next next season, I'm going to offer you a contract. He said so. And this was around sort of, I would think, about March time. Um, not No point signing to the end of the season, but was setting up a contract for the following year. And then um, they didn't, ref- you know, renew Bobby Ferguson's contract. So I was a bit in limbo. Um, so I wrote to the club. Um, I got a lovely letter back from David Rose, the club secretary at the time, saying, you know, I said I was in limbo. I'd been offered a contract. I'd like the opportunity to retrial under the new manager when he's appointed, you know, that type of thing. Um, and then John Duncan got the job. And, and you know, luckily for me, I didn't have to retrial. I, you know, they he honoured the contract. He'd obviously spoke to Charlie Woods and spoke to Brian Owen and said, you know, what do you think? And they were like, yep, he's done enough. Give him a year. And, that, you know. I'm 23 at the time, so coming out of non-league football at 23, thinking you've missed the boat, um, and then joining Ipswich Town on a one-year contract. So that was my path. It's nothing like the path they have now with the academies and hours and hours and hours of coaching. Um, I just played hours and hours and hours of football, um, but not with professional coaches, with my mates and my brother and local teams and non-league teams and non-league youth teams and you know whether or not that that makes you uh, makes you tougher or makes you more resilient. You know we can debate that all day, but this was a long time ago. The academies weren't what they were. They didn't have the the structure in place to go and uh, have teams at every age group and every level. So I enjoyed my non-league career. I enjoyed my youth career, um, and I'd probably played. You know I would think a couple of hundred games of men's football from the age of 17 to 23, which certainly put me in good stead. Yeah. It's, um, and that kind of, that attitude, I guess is, is possibly something as well that is part of what you've done since you've always kind of been driven and always had, had, had a kind of a view to the future as well. So was that clear back then what you wanted to achieve and have that vision or was it just hard work and effort? It's it's a bit of both. I mean, you know, on, on, I'm certainly not frightened, frightened of hard work uh, and never have been. Um, and I'll do whatever needs to be done, depending on whatever job I'm doing. Um, but yeah, and I think it's a, it, I think you're, you know, you're obviously more mature at 23 than you are at 16, 17. And I think it's difficult for 16, 17 year olds to, um, to break their way into the first team as well. It's no easy path. No matter how you get there, no matter how Jamie Vardy got there or I got there or, or someone like Kieran Dyer got there, coming right the way through the youth team and academies. There's no easy path. There's no shortcuts. No one gives you anything. You've got to, you've got to earn the right to get in that club. You've got to earn the right to get in that team. You've got to earn the right to be picked every week. And you've got to, and when a manager change or coaches change, you've got to be, you know, part of the ones that, or the players that he likes. And um, that's definitely about ability. Um but it's also about endeavour. It's also about attitude. And it's about character and personality. I think, you know, I think you have to, you know, you, you have to show character, um, you know, no matter what you're doing. Um, and you have to be strong and you have to believe in yourself and you have to have confidence. Um, but I was certainly never, ever the best footballer at Ipswich Town in all my years there. I was never the best player in the team. Never the most talented players. You know, we'll talk about the 91-92 team and, you know, there's far more talent in that team than me. But 
I obviously found a way to impress the manager for him to pick me um, and impress the coaches to involve me. And, you know, if I was in the team or if I was out the team, I was still very much part of the team because of your character. And, you know, you can, you can, if you get left out of the team, you can sulk and, you know, you can throw your toys out of the pram or you can put your head down and get on with it. Um, and that's certainly one thing that I did. Great stuff. So you come to 91, 92 then. You're by that stage, you're, you're established in the first team squad, aren't you? You're, um, you've got three, four years maybe by that stage as a, as a player yeah. with the club. Um, yeah. John Lyle has come in, um, a manager with a, with a great pedigree behind him. Um, he's been there for a year by, by the summer of 91. You go on a pre-season tour of Finland. But there's few expectations, are there, that, that that's going to be that this is going to be the season that it that it becomes. It's amazing, really. That, that there wasn't any expectation whatsoever. You know, we are a team in Division Two, which is obviously the equivalent of the Championship now. Um, I, I, I had a, obviously coming on here. I thought I better do a bit of research. So <laughs> preseason wasn't preseason wasn't great. Let's be fair. Um, so it just. We we had um, we had a really good squad of characters. Do you know what I mean? We had young players coming through. We had senior players, you know, and it for whatever reason it just worked. And um, I think recently um, or, or many times when I talk about that team, and um, were we did we have the best squad? Did we have the most money? Did we have the you know the the biggest attendances at that time? You know, you'd have to say no to all of those. Um, but one thing we did have is we had the best manager in the league, without a shadow of a doubt. We had the best man, the best manager, who worked out how to get the best out of each and every one of us, would pick teams home and away, would make changes. Uh, training was always great. Training was always tough, though. You needed to train hard to get in his team. And, uh, you know, if we were playing a team that was a physical team, all week training would be physical. So... But so, so you know, the testament to, to John John Lyle and the work that he did. Sorry, I've got a guest come. Uh, the work that he did, you're going to love this. Um, the work that, um, that John did with the team and each individual player made us the team that we were. So the sum of the parts was obviously greater. Oi, come on, come here. Uh. Yeah, I know, I heard. Look. Oh, look, it's the man. <laughs> he just turns up, you see. <laughs> just comes around. Hey, I didn't turn up at his podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, mean I already get 100 views and one. You'll get about 10,000, right? Oh, yes. I'm Best five-a-side player after John Walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this, that's the type of celebrity house I have, you see. Do you know what I mean? People, Ed, Ed, Ed Sheeran's coming around in a bit. He wants a bit of advice um, on his latest video. And, and as we played, we both played number 17. I think he wants a, he wants a word. We were talking about training, I think. Were we, Phil? Yeah, I, I think I was talking about John and his training methods. And, he, you know, this, every time I, if I speak about John Lyle to the group of players and, and anybody involved in Ipswich at that time, they completely understand how good he was. But also, if I ever speak to a West Ham fan about John Lyle, they go all gooey-eyed. You know, it's like talking to an Ipswich fan about Bobby Robson. That's how I like in it. They they hold him in such high esteem, and, and rightly so. So we were, yeah, we were obviously very, very lucky to have him 
um, as our manager at that time and the job that he did and um, no stone unturned, very smart, very, you know, talked football all day long and, and called on experiences of, uh, you know, the players that he'd worked with. So, yeah, he's just an exceptional man, an exceptional manager. And, um, you know, I've had a quick look at the, the games and the fixtures and, you know, even at the start, by no means. I was also looking at the crowds. Do you know what I mean? First, <laughs> our first home game at Port Vale, there was 8,937 people there. You know, and our, our, our last game against Brighton and Hove Albion, there's 26,803 people there. So we gathered some people along the way. But uh, no, there probably wasn't a lot of, of pressure on us, though, and expectation. So it was just a team of going out and, you know, let's see where we can get to. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing. I think it was very much the post-Robson era still, wasn't it? That, that the team had obviously got relegated in the years after Robson um, and things had gone... I think the club was pretty flat, hasn't it? Wasn't it really through that era? The, the John Duncan era never really came to much. And uh, Bobby Ferguson obviously got us in the playoffs once. Um, but the, the club really needed a boost at that point, didn't it? And uh, you, you, as you say, crowds of 8,000 at the start of the season. Um, it, it was, a, I, th I think it brought a lot of people back to the club that had drifted away. I, I was among those, you know, I'm that, that era that sort of when we got relegated, I was what 13, 14, I suppose, maybe 15. Um, and by uh, I was sort of 20 ish when, when this season came around, and I think it brought lots and lots of people back to the club. Is that how it kind of felt to you as, as, as a player at the time? Yeah, yeah, I think loads of people, you know, your age and above, there's a there's a there's probably a 15 year window of people, probably between 45 and 60, who think. That was their favourite time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you have periods in your life, don't you? If you're if you're twin between twenty five and thirty, when we win the playoffs at Wembley under George Burley in two thousand, that's your time. You know, and if you're older than that generation, you have your time, and you just hope that during your time, that period where you're going regularly, you're understanding football, you're really enjoying it, the team delivers something. Don't you? Do you know what I mean? And and that's why, yeah, I meet lots and lots of people who who still think about that 91-92 team as their favourite team because they were on a journey, they went to loads of games, home and away, they were part of it. And obviously, at the same time as getting promoted, the Premier League started. So it was, uh, if ever there was a time to get promoted, it was then. So you started off, you went Bristol Rovers away, wasn't it? First game away. Uh, first. Yep. Um, three nil up. Then, then you discover Marcus Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny how across, yeah. yeah. Marcus Stewart, you discover an 18-year-old Marcus Stewart and Devon White, who only ever scored goals against Ipswich Town, from as far as I can uh, can remember. But, um, yeah, we, how did that feel first day of that season? It's just, it's just weird when you think about it. You know, um, I've been in some... You know, some three nil ups, and, and I've been three nil down. I think Barnsley away. You know, I just think there's opportunities, um, and there's sometimes I look at the teams, and there's not much between them. And so, when you're in your spell, and you 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 know you score and or you dominate, you know it's very very rarely that you dominate a game for ninety minutes. They're always going to have a spell. They've got decent players and, you know, like you said, Marcus Stewart. Devon White was a giant of a man who, who just had something over us. 
Um, so yeah, you're you're thinking you're three 0 up. What a great start to the season! And then you're coming away thinking it's like oh, the end of the world. We've conceded three, and we got half hour in the dressing room with John Lowe afterwards, telling us what <laughs> went wrong. But he did love a meeting, um, but you know it, it, that's it's it's part and parcel of of, of the game. Nothing. You know, I, I, when I when I look at their games now, and I look at um, managers, what managers do, because when you're a player, first of all, you know, on a Saturday, or if he names the team on a Friday, am I playing? It's all about you. Am I playing? And if you're playing, great. If you're not playing, am I on the bench? And going back to you know um, this year, it had been two subs at that stage. When I joined in 1987, it was the first time they went from one sub to two. So, and then they went, well, obviously people were having two subs and a goalkeeper and it grew and it grew and it grew. But, you know, as a player, you're very selfish because you're thinking, am I playing or am I sub? How am I going to be involved? And if you're left out, you're disappointed to be left out. Whereas the manager is, is thinking about every single player and also the opposition, what their strengths are, how how well, how strong they are on a particular side. And, you know, there's there's information that managers go through that you I think when you're playing, you really don't understand until you until you get older and more experienced, you understand these jobs so much more. Um but yeah, that wasn't a great start being three and up and then uh, and then throwing it away basically to get to three all. But that's life. <laughs> but then you win the next three. 2-1 at home to Port Vale, 2-1 at home to Middlesbrough, 2-1 away at Blackburn. Yeah, and if we look at um, people scoring the goals at that time, you know, Dezel and Kiwomia. Dezel and Kiwomia were, on their day, you know, the best combination of two strikers in the league at that time. On their day. And we just kept pushing them to have their day. And uh, they're scoring goals straight away. And Paul Goddard came into the team. I think when Jason was scoring at that point, you know, he'd, he'd have been scoring from midfield. Whereas Paul Goddard had played in that number 10 role. Very clever player. Um, Chris loved playing with him because he'd get in holes and then Chris could sort of run off him. So all of a sudden, some 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 partnerships were forming. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, obviously that's a that's a great start to, to then win the next three. Then I suppose we've got to go to Swindon. Yeah, I was going to mention Swindon with uh, was that Swindon with Glenn Hoddle at that stage, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, who was just outstanding, absolutely outstanding, um, and frightening to see. You know, I'm not sure how old he was then, but he, he certainly wasn't in his prime. But he looked a fantastic player because um, he was player manager at that stage, I think. So. You know, you, you're you're coming across. And he played a different way at Swindon at that time. They were very much... He was like the free sweeper, the free man at the back. Um, and he, he, he just... He was like a quarterback. Um, and he got them playing. I think Mickey Hazard, Mickey Hazard had gone there with him as well at some stage as well. So, you know, they were a good team. But as you work your way through looking at the results and stuff like that, it just... You know, you you never know. You if you if you took the scores out and tried to guess the games that we won and lost, you'd have no chance, absolutely no chance. Because then you start going through and looking at uh, the games that we won and the games that we lost. It's just all part and parcel, and just got to keep getting up for the next game, getting up for the next game, and and, and making all those plans and preparation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, 
a couple of players that sort of featured early in that season. David Lowe, you, you talk about strikers. David Lowe was there for the early part of the season, um, but then but then moved on. And, and Brian Gale started off in, in, in the in the squad before being sold for I think I think uh, David um, John Lowe thought he got a really decent he got an offer he couldn't refuse for for Brian Gale, didn't he? At that point from Sheffield United, I think. Yeah, I think um, I mean Gailey was a good player. Gailey was the most vocal centre half I ever played in front of. So he was really, really vocal. Really, if you're playing in midfield, you know, and you're making tackles, you can hear him behind you. He's telling you to make tackles, telling you to get tight. You know, we had um, David Linnigan, who, who, who played a lot of games that year, and then Johnny Walk when he came, and he played a lot of games at that. But they weren't as vocal as, as, as Gailey. Gailey was a big character as well. But yeah, yeah, to lose him to Sheffield United um, for like a big fee, um, you know, John's obviously worked it out and decided it was a good move for the club and, and off he goes. And David Lowe, when I signed in 1987, David Lowe signed and um, I thought he was a great player. I thought he was technically um, good striker at a ball, good good runner. And um, at times, though, you know, I, I think they thought that he wasn't maybe strong enough up front. Do you know what I mean? And uh, But I, I thought he was a good player, um, good career. Still see him now when... I bumped into him when we've had Blackburn over the years and all that, so it's always good to see. But um, yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't frightened to to make changes as well. And of course, the, the big signing at that point was well, not really a signing. He sort of was training with you, wasn't he, John Walk? While well, he was looking for another club, and you have short centre halves. I think well, Eddie Yowds came in, I think, as the replacement for Brian Gale, but immediately got injured. Um, and then Mr. John Walk, third spell, called upon to play at the centre-half, centre became one of the stars of the season, didn't he? It's just a dream. I'm, honestly, when John came in, when he came back, it was like, oh, my God, Walkie's coming back. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, talk about a player with legendary status. Um, and and he he was just, he he knew the game inside out, but he also knew his body inside out. So he knows he could play... 90 minutes twice a week. But he knew that he couldn't train five times a week and play 90 minutes twice a week. And, you know, that became apparent. You know, he, he would... Well, he, he'd never trained. He'd never trained on a Monday. We called him Bob Geldof because he, he hated Mondays. He'd never <laughs> trained. Honestly, he would just... We'd all be running around like mad and Walkie would be having a massage and a cup of tea, you know. Um, but he knew his body and... and John Lowe used him really well. You know, you 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 know what you're like, and he was up for games. Um, but even even then, when he came back and played centre half most of the time, he was still the best finisher I have ever seen in my life. Like left foot, right foot, header, no matter what, his heading ability was just off the charts. And he came in and just. He's not an outgoing character, is he? He's not a big, you know, he's not a big character. He's not a big personality. He just plays, but he had total respect from the dressing room as he came in. Do you know what I mean? And came back. And, um, yeah, he, 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 you know, he was a massive, massive signing for us, um, you know, following uh, Brian Gale going. And, uh, yeah, and then once he got in the team, that was it. Yeah, but you had a frustrating October. <laughs> one one sort of quirk that I hadn't remembered, you went off to to Holland for a, a t Franz Tyson's testimonial. I don't think that would happen in, a, in, in the season now, would it? No, and honestly, Franz was about 65 at the time and he embarrassed the life out of all of us. 
I honestly, he his his Dutch team. We went over, and uh, I remember walking saying, "Listen, if, if France has got the ball, let him have it because you can't get it off him." And it was so it was it was just like that. So yeah, I mean, things like that are an absolute pleasure to be in. When you look back now and you say, "Well, I played in." You know, Franz Tyson's testimonial, you know, and, and, and Franz, obviously, he was over recently and he's an absolute legend. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure you'd do that. If you were a team in the championship, you know, pr- preparing to, you know, to get promoted, you know, heading off to um, to, to Holland uh, for a testimonial, I'm not sure. Probably end of the season. But, um, yeah, the, yeah, we did. And, and you know, it, it was just a pleasure to to, to play against uh, Franz's team because it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, and um, so you, you're in that sort of difficult uh, October. You sort of draw five in a row. <laughs> um, yeah, just looking at that. And actually, it's looking at, yeah, I mean, there's actually sort of nine games without a win at one stage. Well, I think it was a League Cup game in there as well. But um, yeah, so you started off the season, then you've gone this, this, this sort of tricky run. Yeah. Uh, including a defeat to Cambridge United. Who became, who were the local? Obviously, you, you, we can talk a bit about your history with local rivals because famously the scorer of a goal against Norwich City, but it was actually Cambridge United who were the uh, the local rivals during that season. Well, if you think about the team, the Cambridge United team at that time, Claridge and Dublin, and you know they were they were a big, strong team, and uh, John Beck had got them going, hadn't he? Do you know what I mean? And they were. You know, I remember John Taylor, another centre forward who played for them. He came out of non-league football, and they were just the team that nobody wanted to play against. And yeah, we lost at home. I just see massive crowd, twenty thousand people there, and we lost at home. Um, so, and we lost to Sunderland the, the the week before. So yeah, we didn't. It's not like we was playing sailing for the whole season. But yeah, Cambridge were a strong side then, very strong side. They worked really hard and they were there or thereabouts around the playoffs all season. And it was John Beck had worked out, you know, how to get a, a, a group of big lads together. Do you know what I mean? And get the ball forward quickly and play more of a direct style that worked for them. Um, and yeah, Gossett was getting some, you know, some fantastic results. I think we lost three on the trot, didn't we? We lost, yeah, he lost three on a trot there. Sunderland, Cambridge and then Derby uh, beat yeah. you. Uh, uh, the baseball ground would have been back then, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, yeah did you like- Cambridge, all those things, are, um, famous stories about the corners of the pitches being, you know, really long grass in the corner of the pitches and all those kind of things. Salt in the tea. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. All- and, and the changing room, the changing room at Cambridge is ty- was tiny. It, I don't even know if it's changed now. Do you know what I mean? It was, and, and some place you go, the, the floor, it's almost like, they would throw buckets of water on the floor before you get in. And if you're, you know, if you're, if you come to Ipswich, everything's lovely. You go to Cambridge, the floor's wet. You take your shoe off to put your sock on and your socks, do you know what I mean? And it might not sound like anything major, just get on with it. But if you don't get on with it, all these things can, you know, to play with your head and, you know, there'd be like three lights in there and only one bulb works, you know. So, yeah, there was, there was a there were some games around that time. Do you know what I mean? And you couldn't complain about the games unless you beat them. You yeah, know, that's... you can't use any excuses. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but if you look, you know, look at 
just looking at the teams, you know, you've you've said you've got like teams like Port Vale in there and teams like Cambridge United. And then you've got teams like Brighton and Charlton and Leicester and Sunderland and Derby and Blackburn Rovers. So, you know, it was it was a it was a strong league, a strong league at that time. Portsmouth were always a good team as well. Yeah. And the, the big name in the division that year was, of course, Blackburn Rovers because yeah. Jack Walker had come in. He brought uh, Kenny Dalgleish in. And I think they really sort of they assembled that team over the first sort of half of that season, didn't they? And they kind of emerged as the as the front runners. Um, and you played them at Christmas at Portman Road and beat them 2-1. That's right. I remember Jason scoring. But Blackburn Rovers at that time, that was the first time really that anybody had used big money to buy success. You know, Jack Walker's money was assembling the team. And that's, you know, if you think about what they achieved, a lot of it, and the players that went there, you know, they went there. They went there for a reason. There was big money there, big budgets, and this was obviously they had a. They probably had the biggest budget in the league uh, at that time, but not like eight times ours or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It would have just been more um, that they could have. And then later on in life, you know, you look at the top teams now and the budgets that they have are, are far and away bigger than everybody else. But yeah, Jack Walker you know, appointed the right people, got the right managers in and obviously had the money to make them successful. Um, but yeah, that was a big game. Jason scoring the winner there. I mean, I was just looking through, you know, if you look through the season, we had goals in the team. We had Kiwami Underzell scoring regularly. We had Goddard scoring. There's, look, Steve Whitson scored. I was scoring, you know, um, Mickey Stockwell was scoring, you know, and and we then we had like people like Neil Thompson who would score with his sledgehammer left foot. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's what you need. You can't just rely on your strikers scoring the goals. You want your strikers to score regularly, but other people, you know, having the opportunity to, you know, to chip in with goals because that's the game's all about goals. And you know, even now. We're all talking about the Oxford game that we just got beat. But if we were two or three up at that stage, then the, the last goal's a consolation. It's not, you know, it's not a knife through the heart, is it? It's just something that you're upset about. Mm. And uh, you, you just, scoring goals is absolutely crucial when you look through your team. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, 
protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Mm. Even you didn't mention, obviously, Walkie again. Walkie, um, okay, yeah. I mean, Gavin Johnson scoring goals from 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 left midfield as well. Um, I mean, that's a season he really came to. I, th- I think he kind of really made his name that year, didn't he? Oh yeah, and you know, uh, recently, obviously, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, um, which was a moment in his life that I don't think he'll ever forget. Um, I've never seen anybody so overcome with emotion by, by getting something so good. Um, but he was a great. He was a, he was a good player. He was uh, he was so unlucky with some major injuries early in his career, but yeah, this season he was he was excellent. He, he you know he he could he could score, he could run, he could tackle, he could defend, and you know during the course of the season he scored some scored some very very important goals. Just sort of December time, and you're on a really good run at that point. Do you then start to think we might be in with a chance here? Yeah, I, I'm not sure when you actually start thinking we could, you know, certainly not Christmas, January time, you start to get through and then all of a sudden it just starts to happen. Do you know what I mean? And you start believing and then the manager and the coaching staff are preparing you and it just goes up a notch. Do you know what I mean? Because you're in and around the top and you're, you know, you're, you're, he He's much more aware than we are, I would think, at this time, the manager, that, you know, there's something going on here that if we keep this going, we've got a, we've got a chance. But the manager's job is to, is maybe not to put too much pressure on you and, and, and say, look, we've got to win this. We've got to, you know, let's just go out and keep doing what we're doing and, and, and keep, I think we had a, a pretty settled side for a while. Do you know what I mean? There was, an, you know, people coming in and out. There was a there was a time I think um, Romeo Zondervan was a he was an absolute Rolls Royce of a player, but he got injured for a period, and Steve Palmer came in, and Steve Palmer did a great job. You know, I play I remember playing central midfield with him. He was strong and he just worked hard, um, and you know he was a he was a good addition for people to come in at that time. Um, and Steve, you know, the Steve Witten role in that team it was just amazing everybody talks about anyone it's a diagonal it's Thompson to Witten nowadays isn't it you know because it worked and Steve Witten had a great touch great feet could cross it but great in the end do you know what I mean so everything so it was certainly something that was identified by the manager you know and and bearing in mind we had a, a left back who could hit it 70 yards that helped <laughs> um but yeah it was all part of it and you know we did have a settled team, you know. I would think that Mickey Stockwell played most games at right back and Tomo left back and Linny and Walkie and, you know, the, the, the Zell and Kiwomia, um, who were, you know, regularly playing and they were good, good, they were good, great mates off the field and, and great throw together when they played. So many players that are um, versatile. I mean, you obviously played wide, you played in the middle, Mickey Stockwell played. Uh, fullback or in midfield. Gavin Johnson played fullback or in midfield. Witten played either up front. You know what I mean? Everyone yeah. 
had more than one role, Rick. Jason obviously played, played the midfield and then up front as well. I think, um, I, I think, as I said before, you just want to get in a team. So, I, you know, I would play anywhere across the midfield. Um, a funny story with John Lyle, because if I played wide, um, there was, a, I think we played Chelsea in the cup and lost, uh, lost on penalties. And I remember talking to you, the thing about John Lyle, you could always go and see him. And I remember talking to him about um, my performance at Chelsea. And uh, because, I, in, uh, you know, in the week after training, he, you know, he said, I thought he played really well the other night. And I'm thinking, I don't actually think I did anything. Do you know what I mean? I was playing right midfield at Stamford Bridge, um, running up and down and up and down, not creating, not scoring, you know. Um, I scored my penalty, but we lost. Um, but then he started to explain to me why he thought I'd played well. And, you know, that was what he's saying. He said, well, I put you over that side. He said, because Chelsea's left back is an up and coming. You know, everybody's raving about this left back at Chelsea. He's a really young lad. He's going to come through and be a really good player. And I thought, if I put you there, I know you won't let him have a minute. And he'll run up and down and you'll run with him the whole way. And, and it was grammar so. Yeah. And I, I didn't even think about that. See, that's, that, that's why the managers are so smart. I didn't think about that. And another time when I went to see him, just saying I had played in right midfield, left midfield, central midfield. I went to see him um, after a particular game saying, John, I think I should play in the central midfield. I said, I think I'm more involved in the game. Because sometimes when you're playing wide, you're up and down. If the ball doesn't come out, you're, you're not as involved. And So in my mind, I'm thinking, if I can get on the ball more, I'm going to. So he said, listen, it's a really good point. He said, but I'm going to have a look at some uh, some previous games and then, I'll, you know, come back to me. So I went back to him and he, he said, look, you know, I've just analysed the last 40 games. He said, you, you know, you've played 15 one side, 15 the other, 10 in the middle. He said, you've scored five goals from one side, three from the other. You played the middle. He goes, you ain't even had a shot. <laughs> And I went, thank you very much, and went out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and that was him going back over the games, you know, with some notes. That's not like what they got now. You can imagine. But, you know, because, again, once again, when you're playing, it's about, you know, you're worried about your game. You're worried about what you've done. And like even strikers, let's, you know, let's not pretend that if we win 4-0 and our top striker doesn't score... He's glad we've won, but he's still not very happy, is he? Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, if, we, if, we, if he's not scoring, that's what everybody, you know, that, that's his job. So you, we all think about our jobs in a smaller scale. And the manager, obviously, is always thinking about the bigger picture. So he was very good at that. And you, I can imagine him doing that with every single one of us. People going to see him at any time, going up in his office and, you know, having conversations with him about certain things. He was... You know, he, he, he loved it. He never went home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I'm just super keen to get in because this is when I start watching. So I've been yeah. quiet so far because I've not seen a kick. But my first game is Liverpool in the FA Cup. Um, yeah. Neil Neil Road, really windy day. And I'm just looking at the form there between January through to March where there's six league wins in a row. And I just wonder how much of that FA Cup run was breeding confidence into your league form as well. Uh, it was massive. It, you know, it was my first game at Anfield and probably the same for so many. Um, we mentioned uh, 
uh, Gavin because, you know, the goal he scored, uh, Jason, obviously Jason scored. And it's just a moment in time. And, and the first game was a horrible game. It was nil-nil. It was live on Sky. It was windy and, you know, just a... And, and yeah, but then the, you, the replay by going up there. And we got Walkie in the team as well, who's a legend. You know what I mean? And um, and it's almost like you're, you're going there in a good run of form thinking we've got nothing to lose here. You know, let's, let's go and have a, a right go. And John had obviously picked a team to, you know, to, that he thought was going to be the best. And, you know, they, they, they got some quality in their team at that time. Do you know what I mean? And, and just playing at Anfield. And so, yeah, without doubt, the confidence that taking them to extra time and, and losing 3-2 to a skinny little Steve McManaman goal. Do you know what I mean? Um, was hard to take, but yeah, it certainly gave us confidence. And off we went, um, you know, and and we we gained a lot of fans that time, you know, at that stage to go up there and do that, and you know, and that's what I was talking about, Gavin Johnson, the other day when he when he scored that goal, it's just like a moment in time. Everybody went absolutely crazy, you know, on the field. Even Jason Dazelle, when he scored, I was running towards Jason when he scored. And he had a shot and it got a ricochet, and then he put the rebound in. And then he's turned around, and I was running towards him, and he's running this way, and he went, "Am I dreaming?" <laughs> it's just like oh my god you think what it what it means you know to be to do that just to be involved in a game like that and the you know the thousands that we took up there you know maybe they started to believe a little bit more in this team um but yeah you know cup runs cup runs and games like that don't get in the way of league form they help you it's momentum and 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 I guess the the confidence is there because you've tested yourself against one of the best in the in the tier above. So there's no more fear as to what happens at the end of the season if things go well as well. No, absolutely. Um, and again, it was a you know it was it was a decent team. It was a it was a settled side. And like you said, we went on a we went on a really good run. Um, but you know, even you know, I'm just looking. We beat Portsmouth five two. But you know, there's a couple of we. You know, we beat Bristol Rovers at home one nil, and then we beat and I scored that one, and then Tramway away. I remember, I remember trying to keep up with Kiwami as he raced away. Do you know what I mean? And just scoring from like a yard on the far post, and and John, you know, every John Lyle going to me, you know, just making that run. And I'm saying, you know, basically all I was trying to do was see if I get anywhere near it because I know Chris is going to outrun everyone and just trying to. But so we were resilient. Do you know what I mean? We were we were a, a, a tough team as well, and a few one nils along the way to get to you know to try to get to where we were. But yeah, yeah good yeah. times. And as I said, Leicester City, Watford, Derby, Barnsley. Do you know what I mean? Good good teams, good battles. Mm, I think it was a battle with Cambridge as well. Cambridge. Yeah, I remember going to Cambridge. Obviously, we drew one all. I. I scored in that game. They they weren't going anywhere, Cambridge. They were still flying, weren't they? They were desperate to ruin everybody's party. But I mean you'd see we we beat Derby at home, then Barnsley at home, and Jason got two, then Chris got two. And and then and then Phil Whelan got a chance to get in the team. <laughs> which was just, you know, we've signed him and uh, it, very quick, very strong, you know, waiting for a chance. David Linnigan gets injured. In he comes and, and scores two in two 
Um, one at Southend. I mean, Southend away game was just amazing when Tomo scored. Um, and, you know, the again, Whelan scores two in two. You just, not for one minute did we ever think that that was going to happen. But, you know, but it did. But the hard part was getting over the line. Yeah, yeah. Well, the South End game, I think, at that point, because Tomo scored a last-minute goal, didn't he, to win that? Yeah. I think a lot of fans started to... We're there almost at that point. You start to kind of... And then there's a Newcastle match as well, which was a yeah. terrific game, wasn't it? Um, and I think they was that was the the start of the resurgence of Newcastle at that point, wasn't it? I think Keegan yeah. had come in at that point and they were they were starting to build the team that then got... I think they went up the following year, didn't they? They um, did. They were strong. They were strong. But yeah, like you said, you know, we won five on the trot. Didn't we? We uh, Derby, Barnsley, Southend, Wolves, and Newcastle five on the trot, and then all of a sudden, everybody thinks we've made it, and we lose two. <laughs> it's like, oh wow! Do you know what I mean? And it is, it is nervy. And then you know, so Grim- what do you say to you at that point then, when it's all getting a bit nervy? It's just you know, it's down to it's down to the manager and the and the group. Uh, you can't have meeting after meeting after meeting. You know, you you can't dwell too much if if those two defeats were spread in between the five wins it wouldn't have been as drastic would it you know um but because obviously Sunderland and Bristol both away and then you know we're at home against Grimsby and you're thinking well there's three points there do you know what I mean but life's not like that and maybe a bit nervy so but there's 22,300 there for the Grimsby game so you can imagine you know those Grimsby players must be thinking you know, let's let's bowl this party. Let's see what we can do. And yeah, it looks like an absolute nothing game. Yeah, well, I remember it. I remember it was. Um, I think they were in relegation zone, weren't they? I think. Yeah, they would have been. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Jason hit the post right at the end, if I remember rightly. I think, and uh, it worked. But it was exactly that sort of game where uh, it, it never quite happens. And there's that palpable nervousness around the terraces and on the pitch. Um, yeah. We yeah. all knew. That winning that night would have done it, wouldn't it? I know. So anyway, okay, so we don't win that game, which is a Tuesday night, I think, wasn't it? And um, Oxford on the Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird because I've, so many people went to Oxford away and everybody talks about Oxford away because they're thinking, you know, this is the day. If, if you know, this, this could be the day before you go. So everybody goes to Oxford away and it's not like Oxford is now, is it? You know, you mentioned it, it was um, much yeah, more... They- they got three stands and they had about seven at that point, didn't they? <laughs> but, um, and obviously, Jim McJorton scores for them, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? So, you know, just, again, people, paths that cross. But again, Gavin Johnson, another very, very important goal. The goal at Anfield and then the, the goal at Oxford, you know, that, that gets us over the line. And the celebrations afterwards, you know, in that. Because I think Oxford... After winning, after sorry, getting a point at Oxford, that was us guaranteed promotion, wasn't it? I think I think it was the following. Um, the no, 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 he won the title. The title was on the pitch, though, wasn't it? Yeah, we won yeah. the we won the title at Oxford. Yeah, yeah, and I remember because it, it was obviously very. T- I can remember kind of the radio. I was listening to it on the radio because I wasn't. I was at university at the time, oh. and uh, the the, the uh, radio staff were, were, were doing the maths. Yeah. Trying to work out whether we were there, and uh, yeah, yeah and, we, and we were there, so yeah, so yeah, you all carried off the pitch uh, oh, <laughs> on the ground, yeah, straight back from Oxford into Alan Brazil's pub, I think it was. Um, 
in Ipswich, the black the black adder. Um, but yeah, great memories of the game. The game, you know, there's, there is no easy games, no matter what. It may, may sound like it, and the last game of the season looks like an easy, but there is no easy games. But yeah, um, when you're when when I, I think it takes a while to get an understanding of what you've actually achieved. Um, you know, as a group of, as a team, as as individuals, yes, you're celebrating the win and all that, but sometimes you need a you need a quiet moment to actually realise what you've just achieved and what it means for you personally to be a player in that team, but also what it means because you've you've created some history within a football club, and that's never never ever taken away. You've worked with great people, great managers, great coaches. You know, absolutely everyone that has helped um, get you over the line. And then, obviously, the Brighton game is just a, an absolute celebration. Do you know what I mean? I would think that Walkie and, and David Linnigan went out after Oxford and didn't get in till we played Brighton. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, and and again, I see Steve Witten scored a couple of goals, including the penalty. Steve Witten was a exceptional sort of person in that team at that time never celebrated always there do you know what I mean great technical ability and like I said 26,000 sort of 803 that must have been I don't know I mean that's before the stands were built wasn't it each each end so that would have been a lot of um it's the last game of terracing yeah yeah a lot of standing yeah yeah massive crowd absolute massive crowd and you know you're 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 getting the trophy before the game. You know, it's just absolutely amazing, amazing day. And, you know, you've seen the pictures where people are coming on the pitch afterwards and, you know, John Lyle, manager of the year, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. And, you know, champions. That was the thing, not just, you know, not just getting promoted, champions. We were talking about, you know, winning that league because obviously George Burley's team, you know, got promoted from that league and into the premiership, but not in the top two. Do you know what I mean? Not winning, you you know, and that's how hard it is because they're a great team as well. Do you know what I mean? Obviously I was working at the club, following them around as well. Do you know what I mean? And they were a great team, but just that keep going and then finally pulling away and, and, and getting a result. So, you know, I was, uh, but yeah, you, you, as a as a time to get promoted, Premier League just starting. It was just crazy times, crazy times. And one of a handful of teams, Ipswich Town teams in history, with an open top bus and a town hall celebration as well. I mean, talk to us about that. It must have been, you know, a brilliant day. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's surreal. You know, um, there's so many. Everything, everything big that's sort of happened with the football club has always ended up with an open top bus, isn't it? And you know, we've got footage of the of the seventy eight team, the eighty one team. Do you know what I mean? And and for us, it was it was next. You're going to do something that they've all done, and um, you know, just being invited and 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 going around the town. It's funny because I talked to you know we saw Kieran earlier, and I remember Titus telling me that in ninety two he's chasing the bus. <laughs> you know, as a young Ipswich Town fan, um, everybody in the streets and just going around the town and then ended up on the town hall steps and up on the balcony and, and singing. yeah, singing great stupid songs, you know what I mean? And just sort of celebrating and, and yeah, that's a, it's a moment in time, you know, I've, 
you know, 11 years, one medal. But people play for 15 years and never get a medal. There's only so many medals that are given out every year. You know, there's only so many things that you can actually win. And if you're in, you know, if you're in a, in, if you basically, if you're in the championship, you ain't going to win the FA Cup. You ain't going to win the League Cup. The only thing you can win is get promoted. And if you're champions, you know, you've been the best team over, you know, a, a, a season long with, uh, I don't know, 22, 24 other teams and you've come out on top. It's, and my medal's in the, in the club. Pat Gobold has, has got it. It's in the boardroom on show, um, which is fantastic. You know, um, it was the Barclays um, yes. second division then. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, great, you, great, great times. And, and as you mentioned, a, a place in the uh, inaugural Premier League awaits as well. I mean, do the players have any? And I mean, it's very looking back on it now. We're talking about Super Leagues the last few months, haven't we? And you know, do the players have any understanding of the of how that Premier League is going to change the English game, or is it just we're in the top <laughs> flight? Let's go for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you know by getting promoted, you knew the Premier League was going to be different. You knew that you know financially, you knew that Sky were you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was all part of it. So to be in there at the start, you know, but the biggest surprise was the standard of the football and the standard of the football players. It was just a massive difference to go up to that level and then crowds and, you know, everything about it. And so much more coverage, you know, they're every game all of a sudden. I mean, and now, I mean, Sky, every game in all four divisions now. You know, it was just amazing. They, they'd be. It was a. It was a massive. It probably would have been a massive thing for them to be at every game in the Premier League at that stage. So, the, you know, the media interest and everything. So, yeah, it was just amazing to to you know to be part of that at that time, and uh, you know get get promoted at that time, be part of that, and then uh, be looking forward to going to play and and put yourself up against the. You know the best players in the certainly the best players in the country. Yep, Bill. I was saying the, the Premier League. You obviously picked up an injury, didn't you, in in the first Premier League I, season? Which I kind did. Of, yeah, yeah. Towards, uh, towards the end of the Championship season, I I I had an ankle injury, and I should have had an operation straight away. But you know, operations always a last resort, and we waited and waited and waited, and so in the end, I ended up having an operation you know, early into the season. So I missed the start, which was frustrating. Um, but, um, yeah, it was just just being a part of it, you know, having the sky cameras at the games and up the training ground and, you know, massive, massive difference the Premier League brought um, to us. And, and you know, majority of the team stayed. And I was going to say, I mean, there's possibly a frustrating season for you injury-wise, but at the end of the season, you know, there's... We talked before we started recording. I'm I'm posting goal footage on Twitter as much as I can. There's a quality goal. It might be a not an, a game that you look back to funny against Blackburn, but and a really great goal against Forest on the last day of the season as well. So at least something to end the season with some positivity for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you if you're if you're a midfielder who who likes to score goals, you know, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. So yeah, the the Blackburn goal, whilst it wasn't, it didn't affect the game. It was it was fantastic to hit a strike like that in an amazing kit. I might add, I'd really. I was like going to say, have you got it? 
No, I haven't. No, oh. I haven't got. I've got you know I've got some on the wall here, but I've got I've got others sort of that are around. But I haven't got that kit. Um, yeah, listen, I look back now, and I wish I kept everything. Yeah, I wish. I mean, I'm so lucky to have all this. I had, I had so much. All this um, during lockdown. All this was in my loft here, and then my son came over, who's um, who helped me with all my doing fencing around the house and all that. And uh, he, we, while he was up in the loft, he, we just got it was all framed. It was just not up. So yeah, he, we put it up on the wall of fame. Do you know what I mean? And 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 then like when um, Jason came around here, Jason dissolved recently, and I've got team photos, black and white team photos from different times. And you know they they're just unbelievable memories. Yeah. Um, and then if you are, you know, the program. So the match day program, you know, if you're if you're a first team player, you're going to be on the match day program probably once a season. You know, bearing in mind the size of the squads and how many home games you've got, they try to feature everyone, and I've got them all. So year after year after year, and I think they're about ten pence when I first started. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just nice to have and keep and, and you know and, and put them up and you know have have things like that very much part of your you know, your history. And it's perfect to have them here in my office, which is outside of my house. You know, I, I don't think I'd have them in my lounge, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to have, uh, you know, memories. You come in here and it's it's, a, it's about memories and people come around and, you know, there's stuff in here about my testimonial and, you know, having spent that many years at the club, it was, it was nice to have something really good to show for it. I mean, absolute confidence in what they do. And you, you just think, you know, we are, we're at the start of something. Maybe too late this season, but we're start of something. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.